to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journey of female food entrepreneurs. We are so glad that you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. Sarah Missoni is still gone on her adventure, but she will be back next week. I can't wait for her to come back and tell me about all of the things she's ate and all of the adventures she's had. We would like to thank our sponsor for supporting Missoni and Marshall. Help! Thank you for helping us to spread the word of female entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor. We want to thank our sponsor, Market of Choice, for supporting this podcast, Missoni and Marshall, and thank you for helping to spread the word about women in food. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local food entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our store. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folks realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. We appreciate you and your sponsorship and for carrying all of these great local goods. Thank you so much. So over the summer, we have been checking in with guests that we had prior to 2020. Many things have changed um, from those original guests that we had, and we want to hear all about it. So I'm joined in the studio today by Genevieve, owner of Bitter Housewife, making cocktail bitters in Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us again. Hello, Sarah. Good to be here. It's so good to see you, see your face. I haven't seen you much since, um, I think last time, I think we did one event together. That was about it. Yeah. Holiday market. <laughs> We're already gearing up for the holidays again. So I know. Isn't that wild? I feel like I was telling my husband, like I'm deep in applying to holiday markets. And he's like, what are you talking about? We just like got to summer. <laughs> Yeah, that's why they say summer in July, right? <laughs> I know. It's so wild. Well, I hope to see you at some events again um, in, in December, but hopefully sooner. Yes. Um, we always want to connect our listeners uh, with you. So let's tell people where to find you on social media. You can find us um, mostly on Instagram and TikTok these days uh, at The Bitter Housewife. Just make sure you get the the in there. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. And we'll make sure to connect that on our Instagram as well. Um, so let's see, you were a guest on episode 39 back in April of 2020. So that was quite some time ago. Um, yes. So probably a lot of things have changed since then. Um, so let's talk about them. Do you, um, when you were here last time, I think you were 
going through some changes of your business. And Weren't so we let's, all? yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, who knew we were right in the very beginning of, um, of pandemic life and we didn't yeah. really know, we didn't know what was going to happen. So what has changed since you were on the show last time? Oh, all sorts of things. Um, but I was, I was remembering the recording cause I know it was like, okay, but this is not in person. Mm-hmm. We had just moved into a new apartment um, and we're figuring out the, uh, quarantine thing. So, yeah. yes, um, it, it is very fresh in my mind still, even though it was many years ago, but, um, the big thing was at that point we were, um, God, I would say about six months into having launched, um, a canned bitters and soda, um, which, in the time since we talked, uh, we had one flavor. Then we launched three more flavors, um, got some further distribution, really expanded our D to C sales on the bitters and soda to the point that it was almost 50% of our direct consumer sales on our website. Wow. Um, and then we decided to kill the product. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was wondering All of those things in that time. <laughs> I was wondering because I, I remember that that's where you were at is that you were, um, you know, really working hard on that project. And that was kind of your focus at the time that we chatted. And then when I just was looking at your website, I didn't see it. Nope. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> What happened? So tell me what happened. So yes, that's our biggest news. Um, It's, you know, it's, we were very proud of the product. Um, We gave it our all, but I think it was, you know, kind of the perfect storm of a bunch of things. Um, Some of it being all the supply chain issues, the Mm -hmm. cost to produce it went up, you know, quite a bit throughout the years cans were hard to get a hold of. We were out of stock of flavors for, you know, months at a time because we just couldn't get cans to put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, um, you know, we had launched it in grocery and exploration discovery in grocery went to zero. So, you know, we were focused on just how do we get people online to find it? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, worked for a little while and then Facebook and, uh, well, actually I should say Apple tra- changed all their tracking for Facebook. And so ad ROI went just, you know, tanked. Um, so that really changed how we were selling things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were also competing with all the breweries that were putting their beer into cans too, to get, space because we didn't have our own production facility for the canning aspect of it. Um, we were competing with all the breweries and we, we spent, uh, especially that, that last year, um, 2022 in the summer, we were out of stock for a long time because we just could not get time on the canning line. Um, and it just, you know, it killed us. And so it was like, after a while looking at it going, not only have the costs gone up, Mm-hmm. And we weren't able to expand as much as we thought we could because of all of these um, setbacks in production. Uh, it just, it wasn't making sense. We we crunched the numbers and we were looking at it. And even though it was probably about 40% of our overall sales, 
I would say it was less than 20% of our actual revenue. Oh so yeah. We, or I shouldn't say revenue, our, our, um, our net revenue, mm-hmm. we were spending so much more to make it than yeah. for the bidders. Um, and I think, you know, Dan and I talked about it many times. Do we kill it? And we just didn't want to, and we kept holding on. And finally we had that, you know, conversation where we made the decision. We said, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to hold through the holidays. Uh, we'll announce it in January and we'll just run out the production runs that we have. And I just felt, a you know, lightness in my shoulders when we made that decision. And it was like, okay, that's the right thing. That's yeah, that's so good. I mean, that's the feeling that you want to have. You don't want to be like you want it to be a relief when you do something like that, especially when it's such a big change for your business. So yeah. since and then since then, since you have stopped doing it, has it been easier for you to have just the one product, the one line? In a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, operationally, it is so much easier. Our production um, and the bidders, while they take time, you know, they take a month to make, they're so much simpler. Yeah. Um, and we can, we have so much more capacity to make them because we're also selling, you know, little hundred mil bottles as opposed to 12 ounce cans. And, you know, um, they're just storage space in our warehouse is less, all of that. Um, plus it's, you know, less SKUs to manage and less packaging to manage and all that kind of stuff. Um, on the other hand, you know, it did cut a bunch of our cash flow. So mm-hmm. that has been this last year really, um, you know, tightening while we kind of figured out how do we make it up? Um, you know, some costs were just automatically cut without having the bitters and soda. And that's great. But, um, you know, then you looked at some seemingly, you know, kind of static overhead things that were like, well, do we really need that if we're not selling cans anymore? I don't know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, do we really need that extra person because we're do our marketing is very different. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, um, it's been interesting. I think overall the business feels much more sound. Um, cash flow is a stressor always. So I don't feel like that's really changed. It's just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, what I do like is that the paths, you know, most of our choices seem so much clearer now. Mm-hmm. when you're deciding to do something, a new product or, you know, a new flavor in this case, or change some packaging, or do we open up this store or whatever? It's like with a line of eight products, it's just so much easier to make those decisions. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I think that as we've been checking in with all of these different business owners, we've talked to restaurants, we've talked to all these people, you know, we all had to create some different things or or we're on the path to creating different things. And then now it's kind of time for all of us to look at those and see if, and it, it always comes down to financially, like, is it causing us more problems than it's worth? And so, and those are hard decisions to make because sometimes, you know, you're in love with that product. Like you're, Bitters and soda in a can was a great, wonderful product. And I'm sure you loved it. And I'm sure other people loved it. But you just did have to make that tough call to be like, it's just not 
you know, it's causing us more trouble than, <laughs> than it is making us money or keeping our business going. And I, you know, we've heard that from about bottling lines from other people too, um, especially in like the wine industry and people doing mm. wine, wine or drinks in a can that um, it's been, it was very hard to get bottling time. And so, um, you know, we've had, we've heard some horror stories too, from, <laughs> from trying to figure out some other options. So I'm, I'm glad that you made a decision that's right for you. And that in the end, you're feeling good about it and you're back to what you originally do. So I, just in case people haven't listened to the um, last episode you were on and people go back and feel free to listen to episode 39, but let's just describe your product. So as we move through and talk about um, things that you're doing, people understand what it is that you make and how you make <laughs> totally. it. Totally. Yeah. We kind of that part. <laughs> Everybody knows, right? Um, so uh, we are the Bitter Housewife. It's me and my husband, and we make uh, craft cocktail bitters here in Portland. Um, we do everything in our own facility. Um, it is still very much a hands on process. Uh, we, you know, um, we have eight flavors and then two, uh, little sampler sets. Um, and we sell in new seasons and market of choice. You can find us at the meadow zoo pans and then in specialty grocery and, um, gift stores across, uh, the country too. Um, that's actually been another thing that changed quite a bit over the, um, during the pandemic was, um, since trade shows and everything shut down those online marketplaces like fair totally took off and it yeah. was, it allowed us to really expand our footprint in an awesome way, um, yeah. and have a really nice direct connection to all these, um, small shops across the country that mm -hmm. I don't think we would have done before because it seemed like you needed distribution in all these areas to make it make it work or how did people find you? So that's been an awesome change. Yeah. And just for those that are listening, fair has come up before, but I don't know that we've really described it in detail, but it is something that, that I use. And I think a lot of local makers use, especially if you're not using distribution, I think it's a really nice way to end up in places that maybe you wouldn't, um, you know, a lot of smaller gift shops, at least for us end up finding us. And, and those are the stores that we really do well in. So like, yeah. um, for people that have any kind of gift set or thing like that, I would definitely recommend it. Um, and, you know, we don't always do well in grocery, but we do well in gift stores. And so that was a way, fair was a way for us to find a lot of those places. And our our fair, fair sales before the pandemic were okay. They It was like you barely did any work and you'd get an order every once in a while. But I think yeah. the, the pandemic definitely made it an easy way for people to go on and order things and get things shipped around fairly, you know, quickly. So um, it is something that I definitely recommend if, if you're listening and you're not sure, or you're just kind of getting into, um, you know, selling wholesale, I do think it's a good way to do it. So totally. Um, yeah. I mean, to that, we had, you know, the, the best example of this was we actually went in uh, February to New York now, um, you know, cause we also sell in quite a bit of gift stores mm -hmm. and we were in a smaller specialized pavilion, but there was a woman walking through and she, 
she saw our table and she was like, oh, I know you guys. And then she made the comment. She's like, I don't know why I come to these shows anymore because everybody's on fair. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this is so that's the buyers feel that way too. So, you know, yes. if you are considering it, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, it just gives you an exposure you can't get otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And what I've started doing when I go to those trade show type things is I just have my fair, um, you know, homepage pulled up on my iPad and then um, people that go through can just order right then if they want to, or I just have my like fair code and a lot of buyers end up just placing an order right there through their phone or through the app. Um, So it just makes it really easy, especially for those kinds of buyers that want to just like do things really quick and not think about it. You know, at trade shows, a lot has changed as tech has improved. So, you know, before where somebody wanted to sit down and write out an order, that's like (laughs) not the way that things happen anymore. Now they just want to like scan something and be like, okay, I'm good to go. You know? So I think that that fair has really helped with that. So I would, yeah, I'm glad it's working for you as well. Um, I did want to say that um, I wanted to tell you to thank you because you I have been following your posts and you um, posted a trick about um, you were talking about a wine spritzer and using your grapefruit bitters. And I had this rosé wine that I got that I didn't really like. It wasn't very good. And so (laughs) I saw your video and I added some sparkling water and I added some of your grapefruit bitters because that's the one you were talking about. And I have, you know, quite a few of yours in our little cabinet and and it made it so good. And it was like, (laughs) I was ready to just like dump that wine down the drain because I was like, it was kind of like thick, you know, you know, sometimes you get like a rosé and it's just like the texture was too much. So, and then I was like, well, I could thin it out, but like, then there's just more of it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but your bitters totally saved it. And so Uh, I, I wanted you, that was a really great tip to have. And it was a great one that you had on there. Um, but I wanted you to talk about why people can um, benefit from bitters and, and what it can do for them. Oh, totally. Well, I love that that worked. And, (laughs) and, you know, truthfully, it's funny. I hadn't thought about it in, in terms of saving a wine, but yeah, there's been many times too, where I've opened a bottle and it's especially, you know, a whiter rosé that's a little too sweet for me. Yeah. And to add a little bit of fizz with soda water and then some bitters will cut that sweetness too, and add just a little bit more herbal interest. And you're like, Whoa, this is very sophisticated now. Yeah. So. You like save the day. <laughs> I love that. Story. That's going to be my trick now. Whenever I open a bottle and I'm like, eh, I'm just going to pull out some of your bitters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, do I need it? Do I need it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in general, um, you know, bitters are your spice rack for cocktails. So, um, you know, a lot of folks are like, but I don't really drink complicated cocktails. I don't drink cocktails that call for bitters very often. You know, most people think of old fashions or Manhattans or, and, and the truth is any drink, even, even a little bit of, um, juice and soda water can benefit from a few dashes of bitters Mm -hmm. because what they do is balance out sweet, strong, and sour. And they make them so that, um, I, I always imagine in my head, kind of one of those like EKG measuring things of like, you hit the, the sour and you get this spike and you hit the sweet and you get the spike and the, the bitters, even that out. 
so that you, you have more of a harmonious flavor, a harmonious, um, you know, experience in your palate. And what they can also do is add a little bit of flavor interest that isn't already in the drink. Um, so for instance, say you are making a Manhattan, but you add some cardamom bitters. There's no cardamom in there already, but the cardamom goes really well with the whiskey and the vermouth. And it just adds a touch of it without overwhelming the drink. So I, you know, and I encourage folks start with two or three dashes. You're not going to ruin your drink. And chances are you taste it and you go, that works, but I want a couple more dashes. Mm-hmm. And then you've you've found this new great drink and you can do it to a margarita or a gin and tonic or a whiskey soda. Any anything will just benefit from a couple dashes of bitters. So, yes. And yeah. I have lots of stuff on both our website and um, our Instagram and our TikTok talking about how do you use them and what flavors to choose and all that kind of stuff, because I know. Um, not only is it something that not a lot of people are still familiar with, but I love talking about it. I love seeing that light bulb go off like mm-hmm. it did for you with the, yeah. with the spritzer of like, oh, this makes sense. And I love this now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, um, I've noticed that on your, um, Instagram and TikTok, you've really been putting yourself out there more <laughs> and answering Q and A's and things like that. Um, is that something that you just started doing or was it something you want to do or did somebody suggest it? Like, how did that come about? Um, I don't want to do it <laughs> to be honest. I, I thought you were going to say that, but I just want to say good job doing it because I think you're a really important part of your brand and your story. But I, that's part of it, I think, is I felt like once we went back to just the bitters, we are an odd little niche product, you know? And if you go to the liquor store or even the grocery store and you've got, you know, five different bitters to choose from, um, I like to think our packaging stands out, but I know that that's not always enough, you know? So if someone has come across our presence, my presence on, um, social and likes the way I talk about things, or I've been able to even convince somebody who's thought bitters, I don't need them, Mm -hmm. that maybe they should try them. Then that's great. And I do love talking about it. Um, I love flavor. I love drinks and food and all of that. So it, you know, I can go on tangent. My hardest part is editing my Cause Instagram will only let me, you know, post for 60 <laughs> seconds. And I usually record like four minute videos. So. <laughs> edit that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I think it is important to the brand because um, it is one of the things that sets us apart from mm-hmm. the other bitters brands is yeah. me and my thoughts about flavor and making mm-hmm. drinks. And we really pride ourselves on being educational and being approachable and um, really making it easy for folks to understand a thing that is often sometimes feels intimidating, mixing cocktails at home or yeah. using bitters, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, I think you're doing great. So keep it up. Thank you. <laughs> Even though I know you don't like it, you're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to hear about your favorite flavor. Mm. So we'll be right back. 
Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, and we are back from our break. So I would love to know what flavor you think tells your story best. Oh, that is a great question. Um, Because I was thinking first of my favorite flavor. But Mm -hmm. the one that tells my story (laughs) best, I think, is different. Okay. Um, And I would say that is our orange bitters. Mm -hmm. Um, It is definitely one of the flavors I go to most often. But... um, it was, I think the fourth flavor that we launched. And I was really hesitant to do an orange bitters because I was like, well, there's a bunch on the market and everybody loves Regan's and Angostura has one. And, you know, we don't need another orange bitters, Mm -hmm. but, um, my Dan, my husband who runs this business with me ever the, you know, like salesman aspect of it. He's like, but people want to buy a line. Mm -hmm. They want the whole line and they want, you know, us to have the classic. I was like, okay, I get that. But then I was like, so if I'm going to do this though, it has to be different. I'm not just going to make the same thing that's already on the shelf. So Mm -hmm. I went to the meadow here in Portland. And if you've never been and you love flavor and salt, go it's salt, uh, bitters, vermouths, chocolate, and flowers. What more could you want? Mm -hmm. Um, and I tasted through all the, the orange bitters that were there. I just tasted them and made little notes about what, you know, what they tasted like to me. And so then my brain started playing with where was there a hole in that flavor profile? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, one of the main things that I noticed was that all of them had this really like bright kind of tang orange flavor. Um, and so I got, I went to the store in the height of citrus season and I got like five different oranges. I got Caracaras and Valencias and navels, and I got tangerines and satsumas and I peeled them all. And I put all of the peels separately in alcohol to get their extraction and tasted them all. And Valencias are the ones that taste like Tang. (laughs) They make the best orange juice. Yeah. They weren't the flavor I wanted. And I went with navels. Navels to me were just that quintessential orange flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then I started thinking about what are the flavors that build on that? And one of the the notes that I made to myself in tasting the others was that a lot of them were very, um, they felt very Christmassy and they had a lot of clove and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Um And while I like that pairing, I wanted to really back off on that. So I ended up just using allspice, which to me is a little more subtle and almost a little more savory Mm -hmm. to give a hint of that, but not overwhelm. Um, And there's a little cardamom in there. And then I went for Earl Grey tea because I wanted both the bitterness and kind of the tannic structure of the tea leaves, but then that lovely floral from the bergamot. Um, and I think I created something that is different than what is on the market while still very usable and approachable and a classic flavor. 
Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what I try to do with all my flavors. So yeah. yeah, I think I think orange is is the one that really challenged me that way. I think that's really fun because you took something that is a classic, but you put yourself into it. And so I think that does tell, you know, a really great story for you and your brand. But now I'm curious, which one's your fave? (laughs) (laughs) But the other flavor that I grab the most often is cardamom. Every time I'm like, oh, I should add some bitters to this. It's like cardamom and cardamom. I bake with all the time too. I may, I add it to like shortbread, uh, I throw it in whipped cream to put on my coffee or on a pumpkin pie. Um, I've added it to caramels. I mean, it, yeah, but then it plays really well with pretty much every spirit. I have not found there's drinks that won't work, but I have not found a spirit that doesn't work. I love it with smoky stuff like mezcal and scotches, mm-hmm. but it's also really fun with a fruity rum punch too, you know, and yeah. everything in between. So that's such a fun idea. I, um, I know that Dirk's parents, my husband's parents listen to this podcast and they are big candy makers. So I want them Ooh. to pay special attention to that tip <laughs> that you just gave because they make really good caramels, but, um, <laughs> but I want them to try it with your, with your bitters. Cause that's such a good idea. I think yeah. they probably have the cardamom one, but if not, I'll make sure to get you some. I know you're listening in there. <laughs> <laughs> Love well, that. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good, such a good fun um, tip. Um, so I do want our listeners to um, know that you do a great job of doing um, different recipes and ideas and cocktails and posting those kinds of things. Do you do all that work yourself? Do you um, have a team member that helps you? What does that process look like? Um, we did have a team member for a while, but when we scaled everything down um, in, I think it was in February, Mm-hmm. Um, we let her go. She was with us part-time and she was really doing the content. So you'll see her face still a lot on the old TikTok reels. Um, mm. but now it is all me and, um, I probably don't post quite as often, um, because of that, but sure. I, you know, I still, I do what I can. And yeah, right now our team is, it's me and my husband, um, and he does all the operations, manages the production and sales. We have a part-time production person who happens to be my mother. So we are definitely a family (laughs) business and she works about three days a week. And then we have a virtual assistant who's actually in Uruguay, who really helps us um, just with kind of our back-end sales support, a lot of that admin kind of stuff, which is a lifesaver. Yeah. Honestly, the paperwork and is the hardest part for all of us. And mm-hmm. so she makes sure it gets done or pokes us to make sure it gets done. <laughs> so um, that's it. It we're, we're a mighty, mighty three and a half people. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean, you know, we're running with the same, same size crew over here. Yeah. <laughs> not, not my mom is the production employee, but she would be if she could. Yeah, that's so great. I, I'm glad that you guys have, you know, of course, found a way to get through the, the hard part about when we wanted to check back in with everybody is that, you know, some of the people that we're checking in back in with 
either had to close their businesses completely mm. or co- close pieces of them. And so, you know, I just want to say good job making it through all of this. You guys are still here. And even though it has changed, um, you know, you're still doing what you love and you're doing, you're making a product that you're proud of. And um, I'm just so glad that you guys figured out a way to make that happen. And so even though your team is smaller, <laughs> you are still around and that is great. <laughs> yes. We, I say that often, we're still here. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the win. That is something to celebrate for sure. So um, you mentioned cocktails and I was wondering if um, you sell wholesale to bars and restaurants. Is that like a big piece of your business or maybe not so much? It's not actually. Um, when we started, we thought it would be. Um, it seemed very natural. Um, and in talking, you know, part of it is because of organ structure, honestly, um, bars and restaurants buy their, um, all their liquor, including their bitters generally from the liquor store from the OLCC. So we needed to get into the liquor stores. Um, but we, they didn't want to buy from us directly. So it was really hard to start that relationship. Um, and then when we did start talking about distribution, um, for whatever reason, or actually, no, it was New Seasons was our first wholesale customer. And we weren't sure that was going to work at all, but we tried it out and, and it did, you know, it was one of those like, oh, people are buying bitters on the, on the grocery store shelf. Okay. Mm -hmm. They keep ordering more and more, and now they want more flavors. So we just kind of went with the path of least resistance. And for us, it's really worked. Um, Bars and restaurants do use our stuff um, and they tend to get it from the liquor stores. And we are in distribution through um, Point Blank Distributing, who does get us to all the liquor stores as well as New Seasons. Um, oh, that's great. Local, yeah, they're a beer distributor generally, but they have a small kind of non-alk section that they put us in. And we worked, for, you know, we've been with them for years, so it's worked great. Um, but, uh, you know, bars are also... I, as much as I love them, the the thing is they're fickle in that they always want to have a new cocktail menu, which makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. they're changing it monthly or quarterly. Mm-hmm. And so they don't buy the same thing over and over again. And they're always changing it up and they want new stuff. So mm-hmm. as a sales avenue, it just really didn't make sense for us. Mm-hmm. Um, where your home bartender tends to find one or two cocktails they like and they make them over and, and that's over it. and over yeah. again. <laughs> Or like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely how we are in this household. (laughs) It's like, I, you know, yeah. It's like, once you find what you like, it's like, just stick with it. But I'm also the kind of person that if I go to a restaurant and I have something that I like, I order that same thing every single time that I go. And if they don't have it, I'm like, hmm, what am I going to do? (laughs) Which is funny because I'm like down to try everything and I love to get weird and like, you know, try everybody's new stuff. But I just like, you know, if I know it makes me happy, I'm like, yep, I'm good. (laughs) Let's take that road. (laughs) Yes. I totally understand that. (laughs) Certain dishes that you just dream about and you're like when they take them off, but, but. (laughs) Well, you mentioned a couple of stores that you're in, but we always like to, um, you know, tell people where they can find your products. So um, what kinds of stores or places can people find your products in around town? So around Portland, um, I think the, you know, New Seasons, uh, Market of Choice on Belmont, Zoo Pans, um, 
The Meadow is a great spot. Um, Hollywood Liquor has every flavor we make. As far as I know, they're the only people in town who carry everything. So <laughs> <laughs> um, those are pro- those are always the top ones. But, you know, a lot of the higher end liquor stores, um, Westmoreland has a great selection of our bitters too. And, um, you know, so kind of checking the higher end liquor stores around town too. Um, Perfect. But yeah, you can and, grab them with your soda water also at all the groceries. So, and then if people want to come and meet you in person and see you at an event, do you have any events coming up or places they can regularly find you? Not regularly. Um, although I would be curious uh, if your audience is, is somewhat interactive. We've been thinking about doing cocktail classes because we oh, have fun. a new space that has a little bit of um, kind of a, it could be event space type of thing. So anyway, that might be something in the future. Um, but in general, uh, the one event we are going to be doing, um, the distillers fest in bend at Oregon spirits distillery. Um, I believe it's September 23rd or 4th, right around there. Um, And then this holiday season, I have put in all my applications, so I don't know for (laughs) sure, but most likely will be at like Portland Bazaar, Mm -hmm. uh, Unique Markets. Um, We do a few events in Seattle. We're going to hopefully get into Renegade Seattle. Um, We love going up there. And we are actually starting to do demos again, too. So um, hopefully we'll be popping up at uh, your neighborhood, new seasons and market of choice. And you'll get a chance to sample the bitters and decide if you need the barrel aged or the old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> Tough decisions to make. I know. I, I will say for those that, um, have a hard time making decisions. You do have this super cute little, um, sampler pack. When I was next to you at a holiday event, um, I just saw you selling those like hotcakes. <laughs> Everybody wanted one for stockings, for bar gift baskets, like whatever they yep. needed. They they wanted it. And I think it's a really great way for people to kind of get into it or get other people into bitters because they're just these cute, cute little boxes. So people can find those on your website, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yes. You can always, if you can't find the flavor you're looking for, everything's on the website. So definitely go that route. Perfect. And um, you had mentioned the the cocktail classes. And one suggestion I was going to make is that, um, you know, I have done classes for many decades <laughs> in all different in all different yeah. forms and ways. And I will say that I've had a lot of luck um, doing them through Airbnb experience, especially if you have your own space that you can use whenever you want. And so um, what happens is when people are traveling, they get a, um, you know, if they're coming to Portland and they're staying in an Airbnb, they get a little ping that says, hey, while you're here, if you want to book this class, um, you know, here's this canning class or we do hot sauce tastings as well. And um, that has been a really great way for me to not only fill my classes, but connect with traveling people. And then I become part of their vacation and their story. And, um, 
And it, it's been really nice. And, and also people that aren't traveling can book it. Like sometimes, you know, my neighbors just go on Airbnb and, <laughs> and book and they, they come over and I'm like, oh, hey, you're here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's awesome. I had not uh, thought of that, but I see those. Yes. When I book things too. And I hadn't even thought of like plugging into that channel. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, if you're kind of, if that's something you're maybe thinking about, I would recommend it. It's been really great for me. Um, and it's, it's been a good way to like, just connect with people from all over the world. I've had people in my classes from like Hawaii and from Africa. Like, it's just like, it's wild and so fun. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have been asking people as they have come back what they need from their community right now. So what do you need from all of us who are listening and are, who are here and part of your world? What can we do for you? Hmm. That is a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm really bad at asking for help. Um, <laughs> we all are. That's why, <laughs> that's why I, we're putting it out there for you because people want to help you. They want to interact with you in whatever way that you need. So you just tell us what you need. You know, I think for us right now, um, we are really just trying to very organically expand our audience. Um, we've got a really solid base of loyal customers, but we were so focused on the bitters and soda for many years and cut that off that now it's like, we need to re-engage that other part of our audience. So, um, you know, if you're familiar with us, um, tell people about us, share our posts on Instagram, share our TikTok posts, um, or just go check us out and, you know, hit the like or make a comment. I love, you know, responding to comments. I'm the one who does it all. So, um, yes, ask me a question, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the post, I'm happy to answer it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I think that too, as we, um, are putting ourselves out there more and interacting with people like it, it feels great when somebody interacts back. <laughs> yes, it does. Like somebody is paying attention. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that's a, that half a day I spent working on that was worth it. At least someone saw it. <laughs> and do you have a lot of our listeners are, um, you know, either thinking about starting a business or they are just in the beginning phases. So um, do you have any advice for people? that are currently dreaming up or starting a business? I, I think the first thing that pops into my head is to really do your market research. And, um, you know, especially if you're going to do a food or beverage product is make sure you know what's already on the shelf and how you are different and what you are really bringing that's different. Because I think that, the unfortunate part is you can make the most amazing hot sauce or you can make the most amazing granola, but there's a lot out there. So you really have to bring something different. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I think that that is one thing, Sarah, that you have done is you have a really different flavor profile and you also, you've realized you're in a gift store. You're not going to be in Safeway. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, double down on that. And I think yeah. understanding both what you're looking to get out of it, but then what you're bringing to the market is um, a huge thing. Cause I've seen so many people with really great products, but it's like, I, I just don't, I don't know how someone's going to choose on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, I think that's really good advice. I, you know, and I took a lot of when I was designing now that it's so long ago, but like 13, <laughs> 13 or 14 years ago, I was taking some classes and figuring out, you know, the business and how I wanted it to be. And that was really part of it is like, I wanted to, I wanted to be cool and weird, because that's who I am. And I wanted to fit into places that weren't everyday, you know, normal things. And, and it's, you know, that was part of every choice that I made from them was like, I want people to understand that this bottle represents me and it is part of me. And I feel like that's carried through all of this time, but that was a conscious decision, you know, yeah. um, that I didn't want to be in a regular hot sauce bottle and I didn't want to have a regular label and I, and I didn't want to use all the same ingredients everyone else was using. And so, um, that, you know, we've stuck with that. And I think that that's not what everyone is going to do. And some people don't want to do that, but that was part of like the initial thoughts that I had, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, yes, because you may also, if you're thinking about it and you really want to be in Safeway and Target, you know, then you design mm -hmm. a very different product and a very yeah. different look. And mm -hmm. so it is knowing where you want to go with it and how you fit what you're bringing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice to put out there for people. But we always like to encourage anyone who wants to purchase from you to do it directly. So how do they get product from you? <laughs> um, at thebitterhousewife.com. You can Perfect. find all of our products there. Yeah. Great. Well, it was great to catch up with you and chat. And um, I'm sure I will see you around. But thanks for taking the time to talk to us and being here for all of our listeners. Of course. It was a pleasure. <laughs> we record Masoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can DM us on our Instagram, Masoni and Marshall. And we will both be back next week. So we'll see you then. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.